Welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 19 years of healthcare experience and began my career as an energy medicine practitioner while working as an oncology nurse at a Seattle area hospital. My skill in moving energy combined with my medical background have been a catalyst for change in many people's lives. I hope the next hour will be transformative for you as well. Good morning and welcome to the Marine Manu Cherry Show. We are live here in absolutely gorgeous Seattle. I mean, it's stunning. Love it, love it. Love Spring it. is in the air. I love it. Smelling everything. Oh, it's just stunning. Uh, I'll be gardening this afternoon. How was last week? I you never said you really were going made to. It. Well, I kind of did. I cleaned up a few flower beds. I put some little packages of primroses in pots. Okay, all right. But I haven't actually planted anything. Because um, you were talking big last I know, week. I just want to make sure you're living up to it. I know. know. It was just a little cold. It was just a little cold. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I'm I'm hoping to get out there today just and do like enjoy it. Five minutes it. at a time. Run in. Five, warm yeah, up, I, run that back is out. kind of how I garden, actually. <laughs> Go in there, make some soup, run out, garden, Glass back of wine. in. Glass of wine. Yeah, that's always. But you know, when you're gardening at three o'clock in the afternoon, eh, I don't know about the alcohol. I don't know about it's probably not a good idea. That's what everybody else says. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite things to do on the show is to interview people who I believe are standing on the leading edge of thought. And today is one of those amazing days where I get to do that once again. Um, uh, years ago, I'm not really sure how many years, I've been mentoring for, I think, almost a decade now, almost as long as I've been on the radio show. And um, a client became a mentoring student. Um, his name is Paul. Hi, Paul, wherever you are. I guess he's in Boston right now teaching a meditation class. Um, and so through knowing Paul and mentoring him, I got to meet his lovely wife, Marjorie, who um, is a professor in Oregon, the University of Oregon, in Eugene, where my cousin lives, by the way. My cousin lives in Eugene, which is adorable. And so um, Paul always talks so you know eloquently about his beautiful wife, who he adores, and um, who's been really a mentor for him. I think you're mentors for each other, actually. Yes. <laughs> and your love of meditation, you've been meditating for a really long time. I mean, really long time. That's a really long time. I can't even say that. I, I mean, because, you know, it's another whole story. Um, and um, so you actually, Marjorie, and, and I'm going to formally introduce you in a moment, but you wrote a beautiful book, a gorgeous, beautiful book called Infinite Awareness, The Awakening of, of a Scientific Mind, which is the true crest of spirituality to me is when we mix science with spirituality because it's really the same thing. It's all about realities and subatomic particles and science. Scientists are the people who are measuring particle movement and human behavior and all of that. So that's where we get to have the love of science and spirituality. Um, so this gorgeous book, which I'm sure you're all going to love, was written by Marjorie Woolacott. Um, she's a PhD, has been a neuroscience professor at the University of Oregon for more than three decades. You're not tired yet because you look so so great and energized. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and meditator for almost four decades, as you just said. Her research has been founded by the National Institutes of Health and the National Science Foundation. She has co-authored a popular textbook for the health professionals and written more than 180 pre-reviewed research articles, several of which um, have been on meditation. Yes. Which is really where your research started, right? Yes. Um, the topic that motivated her to write Infinite Awareness. So welcome to the show. Thank you. It's lovely to have you. And and a rare thing, you're actually in the studio. Yes. I, <laughs> I interview people who are not in the studio, you know, and sometimes I actually even have to come in. People don't always know this, but 
I'm going to have to come in when I'm not doing a live show to pre-interview oh, people. You're giving all the secrets <laughs> Yeah, now. it happens. You're supposed yeah. to be here all the time. I know, it happens. Ah. Um, so well, to have someone who gets to sit next to me and I get to feel their energy while we're interviewing is always um, a joy. We love that. There's right a much, there's a different connection and yeah. lovely connection when we do have people yeah. in the studio. So right. And as you know, when you're sharing energy and you're talking mm-hmm. about something like energy and spirituality, it's just that I think the conversation is a little bit deeper. That's just yes. how I feel about it. So, Thank you for driving from Eugene, spending the night with your dear friend, and then coming to the studio uh, early this morning. I truly appreciate it. Thank you. So you've been meditating for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and you teach, yes. you know, all these young, beautiful, high-energy people in a gorgeous campus in lovely Eugene, which mm-hmm. is phenomenal. Um, and so what motivated you to research and do experiments on meditation? Because that's kind of how this all started. It is. So as you gave those credentials, that's exactly where I was when I first was starting to meditate. I was this neuroscientist, but I was also absolutely a materialist neuroscientist, which means that I really thought that every thought in my brain, my awareness, my consciousness, my movement was only controlled and produced by the neurons in my my brain. And, and chemicals. And chemicals, exactly. Right. That's what we're taught as neuroscientists. But then, early on in my career, I had this experience in meditation mm. where I went to a meditation retreat. And in the first meditation session, I felt this energy coming right from the center of my, the core of my being, my heart area, and it began radiating out. And it was unlike anything I've experienced before. So how old were you? I was about 30 years old wow. at the time. And you still haven't experienced you know, in that same feeling since that time period? Yes, it comes back to me ah. now. I, what I should say is that it was very, very strong in that moment. And then when I went back home, having experienced it once, I wanted it again. And that's what really drove me. Each morning I would get up at 5 o'clock and I would (laughs) meditate because I knew it happened once and I knew it was somewhere, this ecstasy simmering below the surface of my awareness, and I could find it again. Wow. Okay. I I agree that those omnipresence experiences that we have when we are allowing ourselves to connect with the divine intelligence within us, they are breathtaking and they are awe-inspiring. And we do want to recreate those over and over and over again. So so how often did you recreate it? <laughs> so, so literally, I mean, this is the amazing thing about yeah. that. What I would call the spiritual awakening, when I discovered that other part of the world, my whole life turned around 180 degrees, meaning wow. that though I stayed a neuroscientist, I literally spontaneously got up every morning to meditate from then on to this day. Wow. Okay, I got to spend the night with you because... Uh, you know, I, I like to think that my life is a meditation, which is not true, <laughs> but I like to think that it is. Um, so I could use some motivation to get up at 5 a.m. and meditate. <laughs> so in your teachings, I bet you're a popular teacher. I bet people love your classes. You have great energy. And, you know, we have young people. And young people have great energy. And so I know that they will gravitate to a professor who's exuding, you know, high inspiration and, and subatomic particles that are helping them to grow and evolve. So I bet you're pretty popular. Actually, I I teach an alternative medicine class right now. I've taught it for about maybe 10 years. And the students are these pre-med majors at the University of Oregon. And they are skeptical. But when they hear about the class, they get excited. And we have the most wonderful time talking through their skepticism about all the research that is there that supports things like energy healing actually being very clearly valid as people do the carefully designed studies on them. Wow. You know, Bastyr, which is you know, pretty close to where we are right now. They, um, every year they have um, medical students come to their campus for about 
a month, uh, maybe a little bit longer, and they get to experience all the different aspects of holistic medicine. I've actually spoken to um, a couple of their groups for a few years, mm-hmm. and it's really amazing because there's actually med students, I'm sure you've experienced this, who are totally into it, totally believe it. And then you have all these other med students who've never experienced anything holistic. They have never had an acupuncture needle in their body or even maybe even had a massage or let alone thought about the idea of meditation or the importance of eating organic or a live food. Yes. And and as you know today, this is why your book is so important, is that the, the population of human beings on our planet are waking up and they're becoming more and more conscious. And so they're choosing alternative recipes, if you will, to enhance their life, whether it's their body, their mind, or their spirit. And our physicians need to be aware of that so that they can, you know, positively affect the outcome for themselves and for their patients and know kind of what they're doing. Yeah. I think that's the most exciting thing for me to think that these students are going on to medical schools and they will then have a new understanding about a more holistic view of medicine to give to their own patients. Yeah. And because their patients are going to go out there and do it anyway. So as we find out, pharmacists have to be very careful when patients are taking very strong medication, you know, is it going to be reactive to the herbs that they're taking on the side from their Chinese real medicine doctor, right? Yeah. Okay, so you have this lovely experience in your school on a regular basis where you get to help, you know, people who are picking out their career paths and help them to grow spiritually for their Mm -hmm. own personal happiness, which is really what spirituality is all about, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then you decided to do research about meditation. And I should say that in the I, there were intervening years after mm-hmm. I first started meditating, and I was also a scientist where I didn't know how to put those two sides of my lives together. Mm-hmm. And so when I was with my rehab friends at the university, I would talk about one set of experiences. And when I was with my meditation friends, I would talk about a wholly different set of experiences in my life related to spirituality. And this was a little bit awkward at times, and I still remember one dinner party where I, I was... I bet it's <laughs> awkward. I can only imagine, you know, because we've got these 10 year people who have been teaching for years and years have great reputations and, you know, are drenched in academia and, and the intellect. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. please go ahead. Yes. So I love it. my husband, Paul, who you already mentioned, yes. loves spirituality and loves alternative medicine. And so we would be at a dinner party and he would start to talk about something like Reiki <laughs> or acupuncture and he would get a kick under the table from me and I would politely try to help him change the subject <laughs> because I was so worried that my colleagues would not think I was credible if they knew that I was interested in those things. Wow. And, and what have you found? out since then? Actually, what I found out since writing this book is that there are certainly still a number of colleagues that are skeptical, but I am learning now that there are many of my colleagues who, when I actually um, shared the book with them, said, oh, wow, I didn't know that you were interested in that. And I think that what you wrote is incredibly credible. So that's very exciting. Well, and and we spoke briefly before we came into the studio, and I really believe it's the science that Mm -hmm. has brought spirituality into the truth and and into the proven aspects of our awareness, because we cannot ignore subatomic particles and the way they're measured and the idea that dimensions extend forever. So we really don't know what's really going on and we can't possibly figure it out through chemicals and neurotransmitters. Um, But we can release them and relax them so that we can have multisensory experiences, which is what you're talking about. Right. right? And and you did then ask, so how did I get into the research on meditation? And that was really what happened is I said, finally at about Maybe 10 years ago, I have to put these two sides of my lives together and have an integrated whole. Wow. And so I started first by doing the research on meditation and found very interesting results about attention. And I just want to mention, we say, well, who cares about attention? But scientists have showed that ability to attend and not be distracted is key to our happiness and our well-being in the world. And so in our laboratory, we looked at 
are meditators better than, say, people who are simply sedentary or people who do aerobics and things like that in terms of their attentional abilities? And we found that absolutely their ability to attend to a particular um, type of, in this case, some um, computer game where they had to respond to constantly changing rules and keep their attention absolutely focused on the computer mo- computer monitor was twice as good as those people who were sedentary and people with that did aerobic activity were halfway in between meaning wow. aerobics are good but meditation right. is even better wow that that is amazing and we're going to take a break here on the Marie Menu Cherry show i am blessed to interview Marjorie Wolcott she's the author of Infinite Awareness, the Awakening of Scientific Mind, of a Scientific Mind. And um, Eben Eben Alexander, lovely man, I've met him a couple times. Um, He also wrote a beautiful endorsement of your book as well. So you definitely want to pick it up. He he says one of the most deeply ingrained myths in modern Western science is that the brain creates consciousness out of a purely physical matter. And he wrote much, much more about it. It's really beautiful. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Ignite your connection to spirit in southern Spain, September 18th through the 23rd. Join Marie for a six-day retreat at the beautiful Hidden Paradise Center located in lush Las Alpujarras between the Sierra Nevada mountains and the Mediterranean coastline. During this retreat, you will learn practical and fun techniques to separate mental chatter from intuitive and spiritual guidance. You will receive feedback and support during group gatherings and as Marie communicates with your spirit guide. Discover the messages that the universe is sending your way and build confidence to follow your intuition and manifest the life of your dreams. You will also be able to connect with a group of like-minded individuals far away from your busy everyday life. For more information, please visit energyintuitive.com. Alternative Talk 1150. We're on your radio at 1150 AM. We're on your HD radio at 98.9 Channel 3. So many ways to listen. We're on the web at 1150kknw.com. Streaming live audio and video as well as MP3 archives of many of our shows. So many ways to listen. And now, we're on your smartphone or tablet. Download our free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play and take Alternative Talk 1150 anywhere you go. So many ways to listen. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We're a couple of baby boomers who bring you a talk radio mix of metaphysics and music, politics, and pop culture. And you never know which celebrity will join us for an interesting conversation. Mance and Mitchell is Boomer HQ, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on 1150 AM KKNW. Your home for alternative talk in Seattle and Western Washington. This year, Marie is honored to present at the Edgar Casey Spring Seabeck Retreat. Join Marie April 1st through the 3rd in beautiful Seabeck, Washington to shift awareness for a fulfilling life. This two-and-a-half-day retreat will change your perception, expand your energy, and help you radically recharge your life. Throughout the weekend, Marie will teach amazing techniques on how to create a new life perception while showing your exercises that enlighten your energy. She will also explain how illness enters the body based on emotional beliefs and share how to integrate healing exercises and techniques into your everyday life. 
so you can live an outrageously joyful life, no matter what. Edgar Casey material will also be presented. For more information, visit energyintuitive.com. Independent programs, independent voices, independent ideas. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Cause you can't decide what you really want from me. Love that music, Benny. Thank you so much. You're waking me up. I love it. Let's just go dancing and when gardening. People are in the studio. I it's get amazing. Well, I, I love know. it. Thank you. Welcome back, everyone, to the show. We always want to thank our callers for calling in around the country. We know that when we're not, you know, listening to callers, it's because everyone's really, really, really interested in the topic, and we appreciate that as well. Um, I'm interviewing Marjorie Woolacott. I know. Sorry about that. She is the author of Infinite Awareness: The Awakening of a Scientific Mind. Um, of course, you can get this on Amazon. You're going to be at the University of Washington Campus Bookstore on University Ave, I believe, if I wrote that down correctly. Where did I put yes. that? Right. At 7 o'clock tonight, yes, giving right. a book talk and doing signings mm-hmm. um, for um, all the beautiful people who are in that area who would love to come and purchase her book and hear all about your wonderful research. Um, on Amazon, uh, they talk about how Infinite Awareness pairs Wolacott's research as a neuroscientist with the self Revelations about the mind's spiritual power. Between the scientific and spiritual worlds, she breaks open the definition of human consciousness to investigate the existence of a non-physical and infinitely powerful mind, which is really what we're talking about. I think that um, because so many human beings are waking up, the the energy of our planet has sped up so incredibly well, thank goodness. Yes. It's really quite amazing that manifesting is truly something that we can do even easier and quicker than we ever have before. Has that been a part of your research as well? Um, Absolutely. What you are really talking about here, too, is that we are now learning in this new research by a number of scientists that the mind can access a higher level of consciousness, and it can also affect its own body, and it can heal the bodies of others through, for example, energy healing like Reiki. And to me... Now that we've shown that there is research that actually shows that is valid, more of us can accept it on a very basic and intuitive level and allow that to work in ourselves. I think one of the key problems for, for example, things like Reiki perhaps not working in a person is that if you don't believe in it, you create a barrier in a Mm -hmm. certain sense. And so it's nice. Well, actually, I've had interesting experiences where non-believers who Mm -hmm. don't really believe in one thing or the other, you know, they're so detached, Mm -hmm. like they kind of don't care. Yeah. Uh, I'm always amazed at how they can take in energy so profoundly and have a profound effect on themselves. And I think as a scientist, you learn how to detach, right? Because when you're doing research, you have Mm -hmm. to be in that hypothesis of what could potentially happen. You can't really have a lot of ideas about it. And that's really the fun part about research is to not have any idea and let it unfold. To be curious. To be curious, which is a very powerful energy system, right? It's it's extremely positive. And when we look at children, they hold that energy so gorgeously. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, healing the body and the mind and our world and our prosperity and our joy um, can definitely be affected by meditation. Right. Right. Okay. So in this scientific realm that you live in, now that you're out of the closet, how does it feel on campus? I mean, is it like happier or weirder? Do you find you're even more popular now? Which I think is so interesting. So many people are afraid to be their authentic selves or like to show their authentic mm-hmm. selves. And this is, you know, true for everyone. I remember once I was on the oncology floor and 
I was very blessed. I was very supported by the staff when I started doing energy work, and I, that's where I trained myself. And this one doctor came up to me. He was an infectious control doctor, one of my favorite docs, because he didn't care. You could ask him any question about any patient on the floor, and he would always give you advice, which was so nice. And so he came up to me, and he goes, what is that thing that you're doing? You know, and could you just go and do that to Mrs. Johnson? That wasn't her name, of course. You know, you know, later today, could you go do that? She's been asking me all morning if you could go do that. And I, and I was telling him how busy I was. I was supposed to be hanging antibiotics. I was a charge nurse, you know. And he, and and he, so he wrote an order. You know, okay, well, I'm going to have you go do therapeutic touch, which I had never studied. And then for five seconds, he let me explain what I, my perception of what was going on. And then he stopped me. He put his hand out and he goes. You, I can't take any more than that. That is exactly what he said to me, which is adorable, absolutely adorable. So what's it been like for you? So it's been somewhat similar. Um, I gave my first book presentation at the University of Oregon in early November, and I didn't expect anybody from my department and the Institute of Neuroscience or Why? Human Physiology to come. And three of the department <laughs> members came. Of course. And they were so enthusiastic at the end. They came up afterwards and they said, you've really presented some very credible research about how consciousness is more than just the activity of neurons in your brain. And it was like, wow, you're really open and curious. And so I was very ecstatic. And in fact, my department head said, why don't you come and talk to the people in the department about some of this research. So yes, I think that's wonderful when you meet those people. And I've met many more people on campus now that I wouldn't have before. I, I think that's so yeah, true, that right? Interesting. That we're all hiding our belief systems because we're a little bit worried that people won't think that we're serious, dedicated yes. human beings, which of course you are. You yes. know, absolutely of course you are. So that's so exciting. So something that's come up in your conversations and your interests is near death experiences. Right? Yes. Is that how you got uh not how you but um Eben Alexander was probably very right. excited about your book because of that research as well. Right? Exactly. Yes. So share a little bit about that. Yes. And the, one of the reasons that I started looking at that is that as a scientist, I realized that my research on meditation didn't really tell me anything about whether consciousness was more than just the product of neurons in our brain. And I wanted to look at other research. And near-death experience is one of the places where you can clearly look at that because studies have now been done, and Pim Van Lommel is one of the people that's done those studies, where you do what is called a prospective study. You bring everybody into the hospital that has cardiac arrest, and then those that survive, you measure their EEG activity while they were under cardiac arrest, and they're flatlined, right. no brain activity, and then you ask them what they experienced. 11 to 12% have a near-death experience, and one quarter of those are actually aware of everything going on in the operating room, watching um, from above their body, all the personnel, and it's all verified afterwards. And what happens is that when you hear these stories, and this includes the doctors, they have to say, and in fact, in the conclusion of the study, he says, the current belief that consciousness is solely a product of the neurons in the brain has to be rediscussed because there's no way that can absolutely be true when people are aware when they have no activity in the right, brain. Right. So our consciousness is really endless you know, and, and we have barely begun to study the rungs of consciousness that exist. I mean, we know of some levels of it, like when we put sedate people, we know that they go down to a certain rung of consciousness, yes. although we may not know exactly what that means yes. clearly. Wow, how fascinating. So is there like a special story that you have about one of your near-death <laughs> interviews <laughs> I, or, like, you know, absolutely. research? Yeah, could you share, please? So I would love to hear It's that. a woman um, named Bettina Payton, and she was an MD. She was like, I think, two years out of her medical residency, and she was having her third child. And it was a complex... Um, childbirth, so they decided to do a cesarean section. And in the cesarean section, with her eyes taped shut, um, as they were doing it, she suddenly realized 
uh, she was wide awake, even though she was under anesthesia. She woke up and she heard the anesthesiologist saying, oh, my God, her blood pressure is dropping fast. And at that point, she felt her heart stop. And she then um, basically left her body and was aware of everything in the room and went actually to this beautiful realm for a while and then heard these words, you must live. She pummels back to the operating room and sees then the emergency personnel like rushing through the double doors into give her resuscitation. And she watches the entire thing, including an elderly surgeon come in, weave his way through the people, clamp her aorta shut in her abdomen. And then she says, just after that, someone whispers in her ear, a nurse whispers in her ear, you have a a little baby girl, and she lived. And then she says, when she reawakens in the recovery room, her husband and other MDs are around her, and before they can say anything, she still has a trachea tube in her throat, she asks if she can write something down, and she says, I know I had a baby girl. I know my heart stopped, and I know my uterus is out, so that they would know she was totally aware. Wow. That is amazing. You know, one of the things they um, teach in nursing school is that you always need to speak to your unconscious patients as if they are wide awake because they could be inside. They could be hearing. They could be participating in their experience from a higher realm of consciousness, yeah. right? And yeah. clearly, that's a perfect and beautiful example <laughs> of that. And and I, I just loved what happened to her because it was like, because she was there and present with it, mm-hmm. she was able to recognize what happened rather than waking up and having this jarring experience about, okay, I guess this is the only kid I'm going to have, you yeah. know, out of my body, exactly. right? That she has this whole awareness about the experience and how everyone works so tirelessly for her survival and her child. What a beautiful experience. And the other thing that was most amazing to me is just like Eben Alexander, who had a near-death experience, she wanted that experience back. She had been an MD, she had been an atheist, and now she said, there's much more to reality and I have to find it again. And she ended up finding it by searching for meditation. It was through meditation she quieted her mind back again and then found the same place she had found in her near-death experience that was so powerful for her. Wow. Okay, that is really, really incredible. I love it. I love it. So now, because I really believe science is what proves spirituality, so now we have all these scientists around the world, you know, that you're speaking to and collaborating with who are beginning to look at their own life experiences differently and perhaps um, doing their own personal experimentation about their consciousness, which is going to also help the rest of humanity to believe in the power of our minds, the true power of our minds, which has nothing to do with our physical reality. Yeah. That's really wonderful. That must make you feel good. It does. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were going to give a tip to someone about meditating, since that is a big part of your research and how you believe that an individual can reach these higher levels of consciousness, mm-hmm. right? Do you have a special tip? I can only assume you have lots of them. <laughs> I think one is to understand that what meditation really is about is being in the present moment. And literally, you can do it, of course, while you're sitting in the morning or in the evening for five minutes or longer, depending on your abilities, to quiet your mind, focus on your breath, stay in the present moment then. But then when you leave those um, moments of meditation, if you can take it into your everyday life. Mm. And I think you mentioned a good point just a moment ago, and that is that being out in nature is another way of easily being in the present moment. It's another way of quieting the mind and bringing you to that state. I I recently moved, well, about two years ago, and behind my house is just a little mini forest and a a little pond. And there, of course, there's huge windows everywhere. So it's just, it has 
brought me so much peace and beauty. And I can feel it in my neighbors. Like we're outside gardening and there's like this Zen energy that we're having because we're just a bunny hops up or a deer walks by, you know, or we hear like even crazy coyotes sometimes in the backyard. And of course, you know, that still in itself is just so awakening of the spirit of life for a human individual to be surrounded by that. I, I just, yeah, I think that breathing in nature and we're so lucky to live in the Northwest, you know, to be surrounded by it like we are, that it's readily available to us all the time. And and that even how our states have worked really hard to preserve it around our buildings and around our hospitals and everything like that. Yeah, that's really gorgeous. So stepping out into uh, a, a beautiful grassy area. Yes. And, and either whether it's taking a walk in that area or it's simply, um, taking a moment to sit there and really turn in, focus on your breath, quiet down, and then just be with nature. I mean, it's another powerful way to meditate. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. And I love what you said about five minutes. Because yes. I think if someone thinks about five minutes, they're going to actually go longer than five minutes. Mm-hmm. But I think it's when people go, okay, i got to meditate for 20 minutes. And, and they're trying to, like, busy up their life so that they can create this space. Right. But if you just go in with the, oh, the five minutes, you know, then it's going to grow into... 15, 20 minutes. And, exactly. And, it, and then I think, as you said, that's something that you can carry throughout your entire day, yeah. which don't you think it's interesting how you, you, if you seem to enjoy life or affect life differently when you've had these calm, still moments with your, your true essence? It changes my whole day. When I start in the morning with those minutes of meditation and that calmness, I go into my day. And when a challenging situation comes up, it's much more easy to deal with it with this equanimity, like stay in the present moment, just watch what's happening, don't worry. And things go so much more fluidly than when I resist because I haven't meditated. Wow. I I think that it really would answer all the dilemmas we have on the planet. You know, war would cease to exist if we could be in our consciousness because then we realize that people really aren't attacking us you know that um that really everything is perfectly fine and even when we are in difficult situations it's an opportunity for us to elevate our awareness and see it from a different perspective which of course is a meditation in itself right oh that's lovely so um i you're a dear friend um told me that you're leaving for belgium in the morning so what are you going to be doing it's berlin berlin excuse me it was a b word yeah okay (laughs) it was berlin yeah so so what are you going to be doing in berlin so i am giving a talk at a conference called the healing summit and um it will be wonderful to i'm actually talking to people that are involved in healing spas and hotels around the world where people can go and actually experience like energy healing and meditation and yoga and um, I think it will be wonderful to share with them all of this research on meditation. So as the administrators of these hotels, they'll understand even better the power of alternative medicine, energy healing, meditation to really bring people to that beautiful state of stillness and Oh, wow. That's, that's absolutely amazing. I love that all of this is happening around the world. And of course, you've been lecturing around the world anyway as a professor, even before the meditation, before you came out of the closet. Yes. So, um, so how lovely is everyone to be able to be affected by this? I, I think that's absolutely fantastic. Have, has your book been um, translated into other languages yet? Not yet, but okay. I'm hoping that may happen. That's yeah, right. <laughs> we're, we're looking for that. We're looking for that. That's always fun because the, the publisher sends you a copy of it. Mm-hmm. And you and um, at least in my case, sounds true, which I think yours will stay exactly the way it is. Uh, they sell it to the foreign publisher. So they change the, the cover. So it's really fun to get, oh, <laughs> That's cool that in German, the German language, they wanted the cover to look like this. How exciting. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that for you. I think it'll be a wonderful blessing for you as well. 
just so exciting. So I'm sure because your husband's the one who kind of brought you into the woo-woo world, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that true? Well, actually, um, he brought me out of the closet, so to speak. <laughs> so we met because he actually came to my house, which was a meditation center. And one of those intuitive things, which you can, I think, empathize with, he walked in the door and I had the sense I was going to marry him. But oh I couldn't say a thing, of course. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, I love those feelings. I have those feelings when my daughters are dating. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my God, that's their future husband. Oh, my gosh. I better interview him really well. You know? So that's a beautiful beautiful feeling, yes, right? Oh, right. so so truly you you know, you were just in the closet. You know, I was you were absolutely <laughs> in the closet. And and so and of course and truly living leading two separate lives. Um and I found that it was only after I started doing this other research and writing the book that, um, of course, my husband could relax because now we could talk about this in public. <laughs> so you weren't kicking him underneath <laughs> no, the table no anymore. No more kicking under the table. Exactly. I love that. I love that. Right. That's really funny. And, and, of course, he brought me to you as a Reiki master and then taking the Reiki workshops with you. And that opened me up. In fact, I have an entire chapter of my book that is about um, Reiki and other forms of energy healing. And though I don't mention Marie Manucheri by name, <laughs> I talk about my initiation in that Reiki workshop with you and how that really expanded my understanding of energy healing. So I think the beauty of my book is that I tried all the modalities I talk about, and I also tried to learn as much as I could about them. And that really gave me an inner understanding of these modalities. In addition to the third-person research of the scientists, I had the first-person experience. Oh. That's, that makes it just even more incredible, yeah. right? Just absolutely more incredible. Why don't we go ahead and go to the phone lines? We have someone from Mississippi. Sure, and if you'd like in. to join us on Marie's show, it's 877-825-8828. It's the number, 877-825-8828. And we will take, of course, Leslie from Mississippi. Leslie, welcome to the show. What's going on, darling? Hi, thank you very much. Um, I am calling because primarily because I was diagnosed with adrenal insufficiency um, this past um, after my daughter was born in April 2013, I just went through a myriad of health problems that, of course, went undiagnosed for some time until I ended up having pneumonia and being hospitalized where the adrenal insufficiency was diagnosed. Um, so, you know, I also went through a move just this past autumn and winter, and in January, I went ahead and started a grain-free lifestyle. Um, and I'm just sort of wondering... I don't know. I'm having a little bit of fear about moving on with diet changes because of the recent move to Mississippi where all things are grain and fat and dairy. Um, there's a little bit of fear about moving forward with diet changes and, and wondering where um, where spirituality fits into this. Which is I, really um, the whole thing for you. You know, um, I, I love reading the energy of callers. It's one of my favorite things to do. I, I do... Probably, I think, 40% of my work is Skype these days, so only like 60% actually walk in the house anymore, so I, it's one of my favorite things to do. And and I can tell, Leslie, one of the reasons why you called on the show is because you're really smart. Would you, would you agree? You have a very strong intellect. Do you agree? Oh. Pardon? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. you are. And so you you actually connect with our beautiful guest, Marjorie, you know, and, yeah. and, and so that's one of the reasons why you called in. And I do believe yeah. that your adrenal crisis, if you want to call it that, which I'm not disagreeing with. I already drew out your energy. You have massive leaking happening in multiple chakras in your body. So it's really mm-hmm. hard to maintain your energy or to get well when you're leaking energy. But I think yeah. that you're having a spiritual crisis is what you're having. It's like you want to believe in spirituality with all of your heart and soul, and yet you are listening to your mind, <laughs> and it's talking you out of it, 
multiple yeah. times a day. So Marjorie, <laughs> could you speak to that a little bit, you know? And I'm not saying that you were actually doing that yeah, at all, but no. I think as a, a very highly educated individual who works in academia, that you can perhaps offer some pearls of wisdom to our, our beautiful Leslie so that she can get better. Yes. Yes, Leslie, I think that that's something that I did, obviously, very early in my career, constantly, even after I started meditating, there was the mind that was trying to talk me out of it. And what I realize is that it's the meditation and the quieting of my mind that is so important, and the curiosity. I think that that it's key to, like, just give yourself, like, five minutes of quieting your mind during the day and listen inside. And you may find that, first of all, that will help you um, become more centered, and perhaps not have that energy leakage that uh, Marie was talking about. And the more you do that, the more centered and settled you get, I think the more energy you will begin to feel bubbling out from inside of you. I I think that's absolutely beautiful. One of the things I I read, Leslie, when I read your energy, and you even said the word fear about dietary changes. I mean, like, okay, whatever, you know. So, So we know you're in adrenal fatigue because the kidneys are all about fear. That's what they mean mm-hmm. in energy medicine and Chinese medicine. So when you're scared to death about nothing, <laughs> which is what fear is anyway, because, you know, the acronym of, you know, fear in the spiritual realm is false evidence appearing real. So fear actually means, in my you know opinion, is it means come here, come over here. You know, it's, it's really okay. Come over here. So meditation is one of those ways where you can actually calm down your your nervous system you know and that fight or flight response that the kidneys are meant to the adrenal glands are meant to do when there's actually something to be afraid of like when someone is really chasing you down the street in the middle of the night when you park someplace you shouldn't which is not what's happening to you but your body's reacting that in that way and and that's why you have all this fatigue and leaking going on um so calming yourself and you know taking beautiful herbs that i think um can positively affect the adrenal glands would be your next step. But don't listen to your mind. Do not listen to it. Tell it, thank you so much, but I'm going to go ahead and start to trust and believe in my magnificence. Just have those gorgeous conversations with yourself, and I think you're going to start to feel amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you, Marjorie. That was just beautiful. We wish you a gorgeous day in Mississippi, and and thanks for calling in. Thank you so much. Yeah. We're going to take a break here on the Marie Menya Cherry Show. We are live here in Seattle with Marjorie Willicott. She's a professor at the University of Oregon in Eugene. Um, Gorgeous place, by the way. And uh, we'll be right back. In the pristine setting of Sun Valley, Idaho, May 27th through the 30th, the Sun Valley Wellness Festival features the top speakers, visionaries, and practitioners addressing diverse aspects in the fields of mind, body, spirit, and environmental wellness. Featuring keynote speaker Jewel, Marianne Williamson, MC Yogi, and over 30 speakers, including Marie Manucherry. For more information, visit sunvalleywellness.com. That's sunvalleywellness.com. When is the best time to talk to your family about staying in touch during a disaster? When floodwaters reach your door? When wildfires are engulfing the edge of your neighborhood? Or an earthquake is destroying buildings? Or is the best time, perhaps, today? During a disaster, you may not be able to stay in touch with your family or friends as easily as you think. 
Go to mil.wa.gov and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by Washington State Emergency Management Division, Local Emergency Management Agencies, FEMA, and the Ad Council. Marie Manucheri, RN and renowned energy healer, provides accessible instruction for helping you tune in to your health at a deeper level in her first book, Intuitive Self-Healing. Offering a compendium of illuminating case studies and practical self-care techniques, Marie invites you to learn more about the chakras, energetic preventative care, and tools for accessing intuition. Intuitive Self-Healing is available at Amazon.com and Energy and Intuitive.com. Having trouble picking up the Alternative Talk 1150 signal? Well, whether you live in Portugal or Puyallup, Tasmania or Tacoma, India or Issaquah, you can get Alternative Talk 1150 programming streamed live on your computer via our website, 1150kknw.com. It's true. Just visit 1150kknw.com and click on the Listen Live button. Make sure you have an audio player installed that will play streaming MP3 audio such as Winamp, iTunes, or current versions of Real Player or Windows Player. Visit our website for more details. Remember, that's a 1150kknw.com Magnetize your destiny with Affirm Your Worth cards created by intuitive self-healing author Marie Manucheri. These 50 cards build confidence and self-worth so you may magnetize a life on purpose. Within weeks, most people happily report surprising results. Visit energyintuitive.com to receive this life-changing tool. Open your ears, open your heart, open your mind. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Welcome back to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We are live here in Seattle. Gorgeous Seattle. Uh, a little overcast right now. Benny, will you tell that to not rain? Because yes, I have to get out there yes, and garden ma'am. today. Yes, thank you so much. Um, and I have the pleasure of having Marjorie Woolacott um, in the office. Or Yeah, this is my office for the moment anyway. <laughs> um, who has is the author of Infinite Awareness, The Awakening of a Scientific Mind. And thank you so much for writing this book because you're helping everyone to open up their minds. You know? I hope so, yes. You really <laughs> are. It's really a beautiful and gorgeous blessing. And you'll be at the University of Washington campus, their main campus bookstore, tonight at 7 o'clock doing a book signing and a book talk. Exciting. I can't wait to hear all the questions from the, the people who will be speaking to you. You mentioned during the break that Yale University actually did research on Reiki and cardiology patients, cardiac yes. patients. And how did that go? I was, in fact, I was fascinated by it. So the woman's name was Rachel Friedland at the University, Yale University Medical School. And what they did is they took 72 cardiac patients who had had a heart attack. And within 72 um, hours of their heart attack, they gave the Reiki group Reiki session. And then they had two control groups, one relaxing music and one rest. And they showed that those that had the Reiki treatment actually had a much better um, cardiac function, meaning their heart rate variability really increased. And what was amazing, of course, the control groups didn't. It was the same effect as the pharmaceutical propanolol, which is typically oh, used. I believe it. I, I won 100. You, you know, I've been, um, I really believe people heal themselves. That's always yeah. been my perception. And, and things like energy medicine um, help people to get in alignment with their true essence so that they can do healing. And I've, you know, I would say probably 70% of the people I see are extremely ill. 
and to see them get better and to have their go off their medications or have their medications work appropriately for them yeah. is just amazing. So I'm so glad this research is being done in, yeah. in such a prestigious university. How yeah. wonderful is that? I do think cardiologists tend to be a little sometimes more open mm-hmm. about, you know, all of this you know, mysticism, if you will, because they have done so much research on stress and the body and cardiac health. Ah, And so it forces them to think about meditation or acupuncture Mm -hmm. or um, maybe energy healing. It sounds like Yale University is doing that. That's lovely. Okay, so we have a caller. Um, Do you want to go ahead and... Sure, we'll bring him on. Yep, it's Christy from Bothell. Christy, welcome to the show. What's going on? Hi there. Hi, Marie. Hi. Um, I was just wondering if you could scan my or I've had a lot of emotional and stress in the last two weeks with helping my daughter pack and move and there's just a lot of tension between my husband husband and my daughter and me. Yeah. So, you know, Marjorie, this is like, you know, this is like everyday life, right? Like, yes. because we're not really in touch with ourselves, we don't even know that we're in stress until like it's right on our lap, peeing on us, basically. Because <laughs> 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 that's what it's like. It feels like a surprise, like it came out of nowhere. But actually, it's been building for a really long time. And when we're not in a meditative or a practice where we have still moments, it creeps up on us and we think that it just came out of the blue and it's just this horrific thing. And Christy, you're dealing with something that's a life change. You know, you're having a child moving out, you know, but I just want to let you know they come back. So don't sell the family home. Um, (laughs) My kids, my kids keep coming back, um, (laughs) um, which of course I totally enjoy most of the time. Yeah. (laughs) So they come back. And, and so now you're recognizing the stress that was already there between you and you and your husband, because the, when the dynamics of a family change, it's like a chessboard, right? You move a few pieces and everything changes. And so that tension was already there. Um, So is this making sense, Christy? Well, yeah, but the thing is, my daughter's not was in another house. We put everything in storage. She's moving to Arizona, but there's just like this tension between my husband of and her course. conflict. I mean, she's older; she's thirty one. It's yeah. not like she's moving out of her house, but she comes back and forth and all that. Right. So, <laughs> is it your responsibility to fix the tension between your husband and a thirty year old person? I guess not. Yeah, <laughs> that's not your job. I that's just not let my job. just let okay. them duke it out. I would go okay. to this go to go to Target, get two <laughs> sets of boxing gloves. I'm not kidding, by the way, because I, I think you need to make a stance. I think you need to say, "Look, I love you both. Figure it out. Wrap it up in pretty packages. Give it to them, and then walk away and go meditate and have some fun and enjoy your life." Mm-hmm. Please, could you do that? Well, I don't think I can get the boxing gloves because I think they'd really hit each other. I I actually, you know, I'm an intuitive and I actually can see that they're going to laugh their heads off, which will be hysterical and fun for you. But I I think one of the things, and and Marjorie can attest to this, of course, is that when we step outside of what the things that we think are creating the anxiety in our lives and we, we calm ourselves down and we have these omnipresent moments, we get to enjoy our life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I have as an image is simply going back to that place where you're watching all of this without feeling like you need to control it or do anything about it. When you can step back and watch, often you can relax and then intuitive things come up as to the best way to deal with yourself because part of it is really inside of you right now. I couldn't agree more. And so um, keep us updated. I want to see what happens and take yourself out of the equation. Get off that chessboard. Let them duke it out. Who cares? They've been doing this for a really long time. Who cares? Okay. Have a great day. All right. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So do you think that was kind of like, a, like you know, before you got out of the closet, you mm-hmm. know, because you were s- 
worried and concerned because you know you take your work so seriously as you should you mm-hmm. know you've worked very hard to create the profession that you have and and to you know have the integrity of the work in your labs and your teaching and so it was probably a little uncomfortable like oh my gosh I don't want anyone to think for a second that my devotion to that is not, hasn't lessened it's just only increased right absolutely i think that the most frightening thing for a neuroscientist is to imagine that their colleagues would suddenly say oh she's gone senile or she's weak-minded <laughs> or she's a flake and so in fact when you read my book you will see how many times this has actually happened when a very well-known neuroscientist comes up with a new theory of consciousness that might include something beyond the neurons in the brain a lot of their colleagues say excuse me ah. this person has now gone over the edge and will like, stop really listening to their research. And I think it's changing, but that's how it used to be in the past. And now it's getting a little bit better. So really, you came out of the closet at the perfect time, yes. right? Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I love how the universe is always on time. Um, th- my stroke of insight, I can't remember the author. Oh, Jill Bolte-Taylor. Yeah, I met her when I was in... Um, Oh, gosh. I guess we were in Utah, um, and she was at a conference. She was the keynote speaker there. And I had asked her at the time because her book, you know, was well-received. I said, when you're quiet, will you come on my radio show? And she said yes. And I know that that is something that she experienced when she came out um, is that, you know, she felt this discomfort from her peers and and had to make some big decisions in her life and change universities even, um, even though her work uh, really helped you to be able to come out and, and, you know, have Jill Bolte-Taylor, you know, speak so publicly about her experience and be so courageous as you have been. Mm -hmm. Um, How amazing is that? Really amazing. I think it's amazing that we were just um, talking about Jill Bolte-Taylor's book this morning because one of the things that she was saying is that the right side of the brain is sort of that quieter side of the brain that actually could come out when she had her stroke. And we're realizing that that's the side of the brain that tends to take over in meditation. And this one part of the brain called the anterior cingulate cortex in the front part of the right side is very important in energy intuitives, in meditation, when people have, for example, a strong hypnosis effect. And I'm thinking there's something very interesting about our filter mechanisms of our rational side of the brain needing to turn off a little bit for us to get into these other states like she found in um, that moment of when she had the stroke. Right. And I I think that's hard for people because they're afraid that if they're not paying attention to that linear aspect of themselves that they're not a good person or they're going to but like in my case, I just have an assistant who takes care of everything for me. <laughs> She's been gone all week, so I haven't answered emails, I haven't returned phone calls because I was working. Yes. And and certainly I could stop that process and go sit behind the desk and answer emails, but it's so delicious and it feels so good for me. And I don't like that stop and start effect when I'm at work. I yes. want to like be on that whole time. Right. Um and I do think as we expand into our, our more of our consciousness, that's what we're going to be able to do is yeah. to maintain that linear peace of mind, which I think is supposed to be present in the present moment, right? Yes. So that we arrive at the right destination at the right time or we put the correct gas in our car so that we're really fully present as we're transferring yeah. funds. And, and then we can have this really incredible spiritual yes. experience for us. Yeah. You make the very good point that actually being in the present moment with a quiet mind is a very effective way to deal with the world. It's so true. It shocks me still to this day how better my decisions are in in my rational life, you know, the physical reality, with that in my life versus not having that in my life. Uh, It's just, it makes you more solid, right? And they say you're much happier when you're in the present moment as well, when Uh, you're not distracted. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So what's the most exciting thing for you, you know, in this whole process that you've encountered? You know, now you're a 
beautifully published author. You get to travel and teach. And so what's been the most exciting thing for you? I think what it is is to actually discover so many people around the world when I share this um, research, tell me about their own experiences of near death, of meditation, out-of-body experiences, and I'm helping them to see that these are truly authentic, that this is not just some illusion, some imagination. This is real by showing them the research. And so we form this incredibly strong bond, understanding the real reality of these beautiful experiences that they have had. Wow. And, And in doing that... We're helping people like our last caller who's been distracted, you know, from the overprocessing and overanalyzing of her mind, not using the right hand side of her brain, where it's been so upsetting to her and very disruptive, I can only imagine, to her life. And then it changes our perceptions and then our perceptions become inaccurate. Yes. Like like she's supposed to fix this, Mm -hmm. right? And then she puts all of her energy there and then we don't get to have the energy to discover our magnificence. Right? Which is really what life is all about, right? And I also swear that when we get into that centered place, it spreads to the people around us. So... I couldn't agree more. I I think that that's really what we're learning is that through the evolution of our own spirit (laughs) that we automatically affect everyone that we come in contact with or we blow kisses to as we drive in our car (laughs) (laughs) yes so what are some of your goals now are you going to write another book or you know what's got some more research coming up on the pike and you also people can reach you at marjoriewoolacott.com you have tons of information that's free available to them and I'm I'm sure you are an excellent writer so I'm sure you have wonderful things that you've written about Uh, So what's your next goal? (laughs) Actually, it's fascinating that just by giving these talks to people, I discover new areas of interest. One is terminal lucidity, which is people who have Alzheimer's disease suddenly become lucid in the last hours of their life. And the fact that the brain has been destroyed, but how do we do this? So I'm also fascinated by doing more research in these areas to really show that consciousness does exist, even when we might have some sort of a brain problem. Our awareness can be there underneath that. It's sort of eclipsed by the brain problem, but it's there. Wow. Okay. I cannot wait to hear about that. That's going to be amazing. I want to thank you so much for coming on to the show. Please give my love to your husband. And I wish him great teachings in Boston and fantastic travels for you to Berlin. Thank you. Um, All of those beautiful things. And, of course, your friend Anne being in the studio with us. We thank her as well. Um, And I'm going to be at CBEC in um, April with the Edgar Cayce Foundation talking about how to create a wonderful life. So come hang out with eagles and blue herons. And we'll talk about energy and medicine and all that jazz um, and consciousness. Thank you, everyone, um, for listening to the show. And thank you again, Marjorie, for coming in. We wish you joyful blessings. Thank Bye-bye. You. Oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you.